Thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Ryan, I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing good. Today, this is a, um, another listener request. We are talking about Oedipus Complex, and uh, we're going to work through its history and its, um, I mean, of all psychoanalytic ideas, I think probably this is the one that has received the most amount of tension um, and backlash requires the most amount of um, like explaining or like, I don't know, massaging to like to, to be uh, acceptable. I mean, like, do you, do you th- I, I don't know. I, I, I tend to think that that's I that's think true. that's. I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I, I think that's probably why we haven't done it so far. That we, <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, what you don't this, like usually e- episode sixty or something, like, something or, like that. Yeah, you yeah, don't lead. Yeah. Like when I'm teaching psychoanalysis, I never. I don't. Not only do I not lead with it, I don't even bring it. So yeah, I, yeah. You know. There is something about it, and we'll even and there is evidence to suggest that Freud himself thought the exact same thing, um, which we'll get to much later. But like there is, um, there is something. Um, I don't know. There is something dangerous and uh, provocative about this idea, which I think is like something that makes it um, relevant, uh, you know, even now. And we're going to talk through, of course, the history and then like uh, offer, you know, uh, our our own sort of like like take on the idea that uh, from from Freud and uh, but certainly from the standpoint of things that um, Lacan uh, has has taught us, I guess I'll put it that way. But um, let's start with some history um, because it's interesting. The first reference to Oedipus Complex does not come with, and I think this is important, the phrase Oedipus Complex, does it? The first, that, so where, where, where are the first references? So the first references really are in interpretation of dreams, right? So when he talks about Oedipus killing his mother and sleeping with his father, and then he goes on a little thing about Hamlet. That's so funny what you just did. You flipped it. Did I say he kills his mother and... Yes. Sleeps with his father. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> oh, I gotta cut that out. <laughs> Are you gonna do all right? No, okay. no, I'll leave it in. I'm just joking. Um all right. uh, that's terrible. Luckily my mom does not listen to this show. So yeah, that's um, pretty funny. That is yeah. pretty terrible. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I but know, I, mean, I really like my mom. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I think you okay. made it I think I, I I honestly, you know what? I think that you made I think you made Oedipus like a little bit spicier. Yeah, you know, I think it'd be know. better. I think I could yeah. I could tolerate it a little more if that was the yeah. complex. But yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. he mentions it. <laughs> he mentions the story from from the play Oedipus Tyrannus mm-hmm. and Oedipus killing his father so and then subsequently marrying his mother. I got it right mm-hmm. this time. You got it and right the, this time. And then he talks about the famous his famous interpretation of Hamlet. So what he says about Oedipus is that that Oedipus's destiny moves us only because it could have been ours. And so mm-hmm. that I think that's pretty clearly what we mean by the Oedipus complex, but he doesn't say the term, which no. is interesting. Yes. Yes, and and important. And it's not um and we we had the, we had this conversation pre-show um uh, or like even a couple days ago like where where is the first time that it's that it he talks about the idea with the phrase Oedipus complex. And that comes from uh, 1910, right? A special type of object choice made by men, that essay. Cor- correct. As you pointed yes. out, not a really brilliantly titled essay. <laughs> no. But, but, but nonetheless, nonetheless, an important essay yeah. because it's the first time he says the term Oedipus complex. And then he says it in a weird way. He goes, as, we're, as we say the Oedipus mm. complex. So it's as if, people have been saying it 
but mm-hmm. he's never said it, even though he's the person who invented it. So that's a really weird thing. You have yeah. a little theory about that, right? Well, yeah, this was my hy- this was my hypothesis. I wanted to, to test it out. Um, is that at the time, because yeah, the big reference is of course in interpretation of dreams, and it's so big that. Um, the editors of Norton anthologies, no matter how opposed to psychoanalysis they may ever become, will never take the snippet from uh, Interpretation of Dreams out of their critical theory reader. It will never happen It's because it's just so big. And this is where um, Oedipus Complex comes from in like a lot of, like I'm always on about this, like in a lot of like uh, um, critical like companions and introductions. And it comes from, uh, you know, for talking about, um, you know, Oedipus uh, Rex and, and also talking about Hamlet. And it's always this section. And the fascinating thing, of course, is he does not say, he, he does not call it a complex. He right. does not say Oedipus complex. And right. I I think that even, like, after, the, I mean, Interpretation of Dreams came out and, of course, was, like, that's a big deal. Uh, that, that book, like, this, like, practically, like, I mean, obviously, Studies on Hysteria announces psychoanalytic method to, like, the world, but, like, this is also, uh, that was, this is Freud's probably earliest, biggest uh, solo-authored book, right? Right, and he even said insights such as this fall to oneself only once in a lifetime, right? So so he understood it's himself, the, the magnitude of the achievement. Yeah, and I think that afterwards, I think people started saying Oedipus Complex. I think like readers, I think like culturally, it, it seems evident to me that that happened. And or then his pals we, even, right? Yeah, his like pals could, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Just so, like as a shorthand, right? Like, oh, right. where you talk about the Oedipus complex and then, right. and that seems to have happened. And then 10 years later, right, uh, is when he, he dubs it Oedipus complex, but it's really clear as we say, right? Like, like as we not, say, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not as I have said. Or as I have talked about, it's as we say. So I think it's interesting that, and it shows you, I don't know, there's a lot of interesting things here um, that that I like, which is like the, certainly the the social um, uh, interaction with psychoanalysis and like with philosophy in general. And also this, um, you know, one of my little little things that I'm sure we're going to do an episode on at some point, the, um, how prevalent like misreadings of things become and how misreadings can actually name something in the thing that's not really there, um, but is suggested. And, you know, like... The, well, you, you mean know, that's not literally there, but not literally there, is there. But, actu- but is actually right, there. Yeah, right, 100%. Right. Yeah, like, no, I am your father. Luke, I am your father. Everyone right. says the second thing, but the first thing is actually what the line is in Star Wars, uh, Empire Strikes Back. But here, he doesn't literally say Oedipus Complex, but it, he's built up to it. He's built up to, like, this, like a genuine, like, uh, observation, like, uh, and, and th- that is his own, that he takes, like, time and care to develop, and he, you know, he talks about, like, how it's... Uh, you know, whether you're on the side of um, he, him talking about this and meaning it literally or about how this is a myth that is pervasive, because uh, he also talks about the its appearance in Hamlet. And then, you know, later in um, Totem and Taboo, um, right, where he talks about the um, uh, Darwin and um, yeah, it plays a big role in Totem and Taboo. Right. So yeah, that's 1912. And- so it's a little later than when he first names it here. Right. Yeah. And so like even there, it's big. And he talks about how in on the origin of the species, like that there there's this idea like Darwin puts forth this idea that there like there must have been an early like primate civilization where there was like one like dominant 
you know, the alpha male. And then there was an agreement, like something was put together to destroy the alpha male and then live as a society. Like he, he postulates that had to have happened because like to, to look at his, in his theory of evolution, like where, I don't know where, where our civilization, like in, in the impulse, like could have even come from. Mm -hmm. And Freud sees that as also a kind of, uh, Oedipus, uh, myth, like playing out of course, and like one of the like most important scientific documents, uh, in in history. So, um, yeah, so it's a, uh, whether, yeah, whether you're on, on the side of the myth or the, or the, the literal thing, like, like this, this is a, this is a big deal. And I think it seems, I don't know, it seems pretty clear to me that Oedipus complex was named by followers and, and, and then taken up by Freud himself. But, you know, there's, we, we only have the smoking gun of the 1910 document. I don't, I don't know any, there, maybe there were papers like there's no ballistics report. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. Like maybe there's papers by other people like, like in the, in that 10 year period, that's like in an archive somewhere. I don't know. Like someone Um, mentions it or something. Yeah. 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 So, um, but yeah, it's, that's interesting. So that's, that's our, I mean, that's like the beginning, right. Of the, of the term. And, uh, but I don't know. Uh, do you want to go into the, the Clark lectures now? Yeah. I find that interesting. So in, uh, it's like 1909, he comes to America, gives the, gives five lectures at Clark, introducing psychoanalysis to the United States. And, and he says to Jung this famous line, he says that, which is interesting. This line is interesting because you, Lacan claims Jung told him alone that <laughs> Freud told him this line right as they came to America. Yeah. They don't know that we're bringing them the plague. But it's interesting that Jung didn't tell anybody else, but just told Lacan. So this could just be all Lacan's fancy. It's probably, it's, it's one of those things that should be true, even yeah. if it's not true. So let's just, <laughs> let's just imagine we don't know all that other. Well, that's, that's the whole thing about misreading, right? Yeah, like, right. That, right. It, exactly. It, it's, it's, it's better, right? It's, it's like, better. yeah, of course, of course he talked about Oedipus complex and interpretation of dreams. Much better to say that. Right. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so it's interesting that he understood that he's bringing this disturbing doctrine to the United States. And then when he gives the five lectures, there's not a single mention of Oedipus complex. And the, okay, when we first looked at that, I immediately thought, well, maybe it's because Freud himself didn't think it was a central psychoanalytic mm-hmm. idea, which would be my position, which we're going to get to in a second. <laughs> um, right. But but then what what I think debunks that idea is that in the outline of psychoanalysis, so this is what he wrote, this is 1939, because it, 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 he died in 39 or 38, I've just forgotten. Anyway. Uh, th- yeah, okay. Uh, whichever, but... Uh, but it's unfinished when he died, so it's it's still out there. Um, nonetheless, he's, he's trying to sum up the psychoanalytic achievement, and he says, Oedipus is, uh, no, he doesn't say that. He says, if psychoanalysis could boast of no achievement than the discovery of the repressed Oedipus complex, that alone would give it a claim to be included among the precious uh, acquisitions of mankind. So that's a really, mm-hmm. that's it big. seems like, it's pretty big, right? Like he really thinks there's something, there's something to, not only is there something to it, it's like the thing almost. The thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. It was 1939. Okay. Um, good. And the, yeah, I mean like that's, that's a, that's pretty much a, a big thing and it's and clear how Im- the outsized importance it has for Freud himself. And I, I, you know, as we were talking about this, why would he not mention it at Clark? There's really, there's two options. 
And it's that he didn't think it was that big a deal, which would be like further, you know what I mean? Like, like that's something that could be like further confirmed by the fact that he hadn't literally said Oedipus complex yet. Right. He says that he says that a year later. Agreed. And, you know, and, um, but then there's the other, on the other hand is that, well, he doesn't mention it because it, it is so important. And he thinks just like, you know, you and I teaching, um, psychoanalytic theory now, like you don't lead with that. You, you know, you, 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 you not like keep it, you know, you don't hide it, but you just like, uh, it's not a breadcrumb that you give to, to someone along the way to understanding a larger thing. It's like, um, oh, I don't know. It's maybe like putting cilantro on something that doesn't need it. Like someone could say like, why did you put dish soap in this? Um, because the, the taste could be just be so awful. So, uh, for, for certain palates. Right. So like, that's, I don't know. It seems given that later quote, right. From the, from the outline that he doesn't mention it because he's protecting the, um, the idea that it, it will not encourage wider interest in this, in psychoanalysis. If I lead with this, if I, there are other things that are more, uh, convincing and interesting, uh, to, to talk through, um, in an introductory, uh, capacity. And again, he hadn't named it Oedipus complex yet. So I wonder if the, if the lecture had been a year later, like it had been 1911, maybe he would have. Maybe that's an interesting idea. Cause then he would have an actual concept to give them that he had actually yeah. worked out maybe, but I, I kind of think not. I think you're right. Like I think his feeling was like the feeling we have when we're teaching. Like, that's the last thing I want to do. That's why I think that that's just a pure conspiracy by Norton to make people not like psychoanalysis. I just have <laughs> very nice. absolutely convinced of that. I have no, like, I know I think that about mirror stage too, but I really yeah. think that about this. Like, why in the world would you not put an essay on the unconscious, which is, I think you and I absolutely mm-hmm. agree, and everyone we know agrees, is the fundamental psychoanalytic discovery, right? Like, why wouldn't you have that? And it's a nice little short essay. You don't have to snip it out of other things, which is also annoying that they do that. They cut things up. Um, Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have to do that. You could just give them the people, the full essay and the unconscious. It's pretty good. It makes Mm -hmm. sense. It's convincing, right? So I think that's, but I think you're, I think that's what Freud understood. And he was perfectly willing to advance the idea of the unconscious in the Clark lectures, didn't cover that up. Right. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, mm-hmm. he also didn't, the other thing, which I think is telling, he doesn't talk about infantile sexuality either. And yeah. so that's in yeah. 1905, three, three essays three on essays. the theory of se- sexuality. So he's definitely just recently thought about that. And that's a pretty new discovery of his. But w- so why isn't he bringing that either? So it suggests that he's actually kind of at cross purposes in the Clark lectures, like introdu- introducing psychoanalysis, but also hiding aspects of it that he think would that he thinks would be untenable or or not yeah. untenable but unpalatable to go back to your uh, food <laughs> reference oh bro, yeah my yeah my cilantro yeah, 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 he, yeah. Didn't, he didn't want to give cilantro yeah because yeah. it could be because it could be soap yeah. um and yeah no I, I i i feel pretty i mean i feel pretty convinced by that i mean that's the purpose of of him uh, having come to clark anyway right is that like this um he has to be in the po- position not really not of an analyst but of a you know, of a salesperson, right? Like, like, like right, a, or, or right. marketer, like, like right. That's, marketer, he, right, right. Yeah. Like he's and, trying to make this doctrine that maybe people have read about, but maybe not. I mean, I bet there's a lot of people in the audience that have never read him that are coming to see for the first time what this is all about. 
And, you know, and well, I think like he heard, wants... heard through hearsay, right? right? Like right. Little, little whispers about this Dr. Freud and what does he have to say? Yeah. And I think he yeah. really didn't want to let down the people that invited him because they spent, obviously spent a lot of money to bring him over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think he wanted to, to make us, you know, I, I think he really wanted to bring the plague to America. Like he really <laughs> wanted to make, I think he thought America is the future. And if I can make disciples there, then, then I can really have have some impact and 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 if if I immediately go to stay you know you want to f- sleep with your mother and kill your father I'm not going to have people are mm-hmm. not going to be uh drawn to my doctrine I think it's, I mean I think yeah. that has to be what he thought It is interesting like I mean and and I think that that um well I mean this is part of I mean this is going to be I, I guess the the wider uh, portion of the of the podcast is like um there is, of course, textual evidence that, you know, we've already quoted that, like, Freud thinks this is at the absolute center, like, central right. to psychoanalysis. I, you know, you already, you you outed me as, as thinking that, like, unconscious is the, I think, the center of it. Because it's even, if you want to get technical about it, like, you you can't believe, you, you know, you can't believe in uh, Oedipus Complex without the unconscious, you know? Like, like it, it, it is this idea that is... But not vice versa. It. Exactly. Right. right. Vice versa doesn't work. So, right. um, so that's, so I would, I suppose I would give, I would literally give priority to the thing that is prior to and like the condition of possibility for like uh, pretty much everything. Well, yeah. I think all of our, I, I, I mean, I wasn't outing you cause I think all of our <laughs> friends think that like, I can't think of a single person that writes in the psychoanalytic tradition mm-hmm. that doesn't think that the unconscious is the absolute first you know, basis yeah. starting point, right? Mm-hmm. I, th- no, 100%. And I didn't mean, I didn't mean out in a, in no, a I, I, just, I, I just meant for the process of, of this, um, of our, our conversation, because I think you're going to come a little bit harder at the idea than, than I might. So, but, um, right. yeah. So, but that is, so that is like, you know, avowedly like out there, like that's, I think, I, we, we think that's at the center. And, you know, a lot of other folks do too, but, you know, whatever. Let, let's, let's, let's uh, forget that for a second. Um, it does seem interesting to me and maybe the, you know, there could be the argument that like we, maybe we back away from it because like precisely for this like marketing reason. Oh yeah. Um, but the people who are most likely to put Oedipus complex at the center of psychoanalysis are the people who disagree with it. So um, like you were telling me about what, what book were you reading where someone said that, yeah, that it was the, the fundamental point. It's this. It's a. It's a. It's called the the crepuscule d'une idole. It's a. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, the twilight of an idol. So he's punning on the, the Wagner opera, or, mm-hmm. or the, I guess the, he's punning on the Nietzsche book, which was itself an allusion to the Wagner opera. Um, <laughs> so it's it's twilight. So Nietzsche's book is Twilight of the Idols, and this book is Twilight of an Idol, and it's okay. an it's a it's a it's a six hundred page just absolute diatribe against Freud by this guy, Michel Onfray. He's a French philosopher. And his, his claim in the book is that the Oedipus complex is the absolute basis of the psychoanalytic project. So, and so that, so, and and he's, he's an avowed enemy of, Mm -hmm. I mean, he he wrote the book to take down Freud. So I think it's not, so I think that, that, I don't know what that, I think it should make us, I mean, I don't think we should necessarily give up concepts just because our enemies right. hate them. I mean, that, <laughs> that, would be, that would be a terrible thing. Like uh, socialists give up the idea of equality because the conservatives yeah, don't like it. Yeah, that, they, they don't like it, yeah. Yeah, that's a bad <laughs> idea in general. But I do think if you have a concept that you also don't accept 
and mm-hmm. then, or you think is maybe questionable. And then that's the source of constant irritation for people that maybe you could otherwise bring to your side. Mm-hmm. Then I think maybe we should think about not, you know, investing so much in it or rejecting it altogether. And my, my, I guess my wager is, mm-hmm. I think Oedipus Complex is incorrect. And I think uh, that it turns people off to psychoanalysis unnecessarily because I think it, I think it is a case of Freud not understanding himself the way that the, the psyche and the way that desire functions, that it, it actually, according to the psych, to psychoanalytic theory itself, there shouldn't, Mm -hmm. Oedipus complex shouldn't function in the way that it does. Okay. So let's camp on that because this is, this is the important point is that the, your, and I think it's, it's right to kind of move the the conversation here because um, when we were planning this episode, it wasn't, um, you had never said to me, um, that you want to reject the idea or you don't like the idea because uh, other people don't like it. That's just like, right. that's, how, I, I that's just what, that, that. no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. That, like, that's yeah. just kind of what's happened in the, the yeah. lead up to this conversation. And it kind of seems like that's something that like Freud himself felt in, you know, because he didn't mention it. He either didn't mention it in 1909 in Clark lectures because he thought the same way or because it wasn't a complex to him. It was like an important idea that he put forth an interpretation of dreams, but it had not necessarily uh, risen to the level of something that like, like as a codified uh, theory yet. So either, either one of those two things, but um, we want to look at how Freud's reading of Oedipus and Hamlet and like the whole genesis of, of this idea, like it's, it's a, it's a bit of an imprecision from things that he would either like come to believe later or even things he believed at the time. So t- start, start, start us with that, Todd. Like, let's right. Okay. So that's that. a good starting point because I, th- my, my ultimate reason for calling it into question is theoretical, but I do think it does start with the way that he thinks about the Oedipus text itself because mm-hmm. It is clear that Oedipus himself has absolutely no, at least in the play, even mm-hmm. unconscious desire for his mother. Right. Because right. the woman that he's having sex with is, of course, his biological mother. But mm-hmm. he has no way of knowing that, even unconsciously, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's not even, <laughs> yeah. there's no way in the world that he even has an unconscious inkling that mm-hmm. that's his mother, or that Laius is his father, who mm-hmm. he's killed in the crossing there, right? So there's right. no way that he could have this, un- that it's that the killing of Laius or the sleeping with Jocasta was a manifestation of something unconscious. It's, it's unconscious, it just it doesn't make any sense if you read the play. Like it just, it, like that's what ha- he really is, sleeping with his biological mother and right. killing his biological father, but he has no way of knowing Again, even unconsciously, that that's true. Yeah, they're total strangers to him. Like, like what one one hundred percent? It's it it's interesting. I mean, and that's Lacan's line, right? About Oedipus being the only person to who didn't not suffer have. from the Oedipus complex, right? Right. Which is which is a, a, another way of like like which is another way of looking at this, and another way of looking at at, at Oedipus complex and thinking like, well, if Oedipus could not have suffered from it like what's really at stake here because there is something at stake here i think psychoanalytically it's not like that we dispense with the idea i think the way that um i don't i don't want to um i don't want to uh gazump the thing you're 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 about to say but like the there is a way of looking at um intimate 
in Extimate in the way that like Lacan later would that I, I think is like that's maybe what we would want to emphasize is at stake here. Yeah, right. Like so why so the the, the Oedipus complex is pre, it's it's premised on the idea that what we desire is what is most proximate to us, right? Like mm-hmm. that's that Freud even says that when he's talking about when he's talking about the Oedipus complex that that we first begin to desire the mother because that the mother is right there present in our face, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the very way that psychoanalysis teaches about how teaches us about how unconscious desire functions is it says it doesn't function in that way, right? Mm-hmm. The whole point is we don't desire that's which is just present at hand to us, right? Like we right. we desire what's absent. Like there's a link between lack and desire Lack is desire. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the notion that we would, that presence would generate desire, even unconsciously, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think, I don't think it, it's, it lines up with the very essence of the psychoanalytic discovery. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Do you th- yeah, well, I'm trying to think of, um, uh, no, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you on this. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think of the of a way to make it consonant. And that would be like to, I mean, would, would there have to not, there would have to be an argument that, um, the idea that one, I guess, like, no, I can't make it work because what I was going to say is that like, um, that one would have to understand like kind of innately that there is a prohibition on the mother and the father to then like to repress it and make it, like not proximate. You know, I you see know what, what you're saying? saying. Yeah, I do what but, you're saying. Right. But then that, but then that of course conflicts with that just conflicts with psychoanalysis and the idea that like it's a social prohibition. It's certainly not a biological or, or, or innate one. Like it's not like it's one that is learned through, you know, like, um, there are right. all kinds of kinds of, there's all kinds of stories. Like people tell like, like there, there, there's this like this, like, um, kind of popular, like jokey, like mom, mom blog, like what, like, why is my child crying? And it started with this one person. I think people just submit them and submit things to her to, to put on the blog. And it's like, well, like this is a picture of my child crying because I told her that she can't marry her father or her brother. You know, like that, that yeah. I remember this from like, yeah. you know, but this is like, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, I think everybody has stories like this. My, um, you know, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about, um, uh, uh, we were talking about phallus and, um, and, uh, Mari Rudy's book, but my, my cousin, there's a story that my family tells that my, my, my cousin realized that his mother did not have a penis. He just really casually said to her, like, that's okay. We can get one for you at the store. <laughs> You know, and I, which I, I think is, and he's, he's a doctor and doesn't yeah. like that. I like that story as, yeah. as, as proof of yeah. this line of inquiry. Um, but anyway, so, um, but so that, so that my explanation wouldn't, wouldn't work because it's, it, it is a, it's a social prohibition. I mean like this and, and that, that comes in to, to sort of, to, to make the incest taboo. Like, and like Freud is really clear on that. So I'm right. not sure how I, I'm just right. I mean, isn't one. his point that, that doesn't he say about the incest taboo, even that if there wasn't a desire there in the first place, the taboo would never have originated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of his, that's one of like the taboo is one of his ways of proving the Oedipus complex, but I would actually yeah. say the opposite. <laughs> My claim would be it's the very emergence of the taboo that mm-hmm. retroactively generates the Oedipus, you know, Oedipal desires. 
I would absolutely mm-hmm. say that. Like, of course, I think those kinds of desires arise, but I, I, mm-hmm. I, I like what you're saying. Like, I think that it's only in the aftermath of the of the taboo on them, the, the absolute prohibition. I mean, that, think about how strong that prohibition is in our society. And in, in, yeah. I mean, Lev, Levi Strauss's idea would be that it's a prohibition in every society, mm-hmm. right? It's the one thing that that covers the, it's the one thing that's both universal and natural at the same time. And and I think that that's, okay, I accept that, that's right. But but what that means is that that, that edible desire has to be re- responding to that, not generative of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, and especially with the way that, um, well, especially with the way it doesn't uh, coincide with the way the desire is articulated in psychoanalysis, does it? Like, like it, it's, it's. Um, I feel like it, it. I don't know. Maybe like it can't be this. Like, oh, you you rush to the thing that is most uh, proximate, and then also. Um, the desire is like uh, what lack is constitutive of desire and that like what you desire is a limit, you know, of, of something that like uh, those two things don't, I don't know. Do they not, can, is there a way that you could put them together? Yeah. I, just, I don't just, think you just, can. I don't think you can. Think I mean, so. what I don't, I guess I don't even know how it is put together because it, you know, so many of the things I read on psychoanalysis, none of them ever, talk about the Oedipus complex. You know, it's Mm. just, it's kind of fascinating. Like none of the people who are analyzing, like speaking philosophically about psychoanalysis or analyzing cultural events, I have never, I mean, I shouldn't say never, but I can't think of one where Oedipus complex plays a central role because they're talking about the way that desire functions in these different scenarios or, or even ontologically. Right. And, and, and I don't. I think that they that, that they can't square that with the presence mm-hmm. implicit in the Oedipus complex and the way mm-hmm. that the notion that we would desire what's present. And again, I think that that's just. It's almost like Freud. You know, we did this episode a while ago with Anna Cornblue on immediacy, which was very fun. Uh, um, yeah. And and because we both got we got to attack all the believers in immediacy and i think mm-hmm. it's almost like freud fell for the illusion of immediacy like an affect theorist like he yeah that's kind of interesting <laughs> you know like like we have an affect for and i think affect theorists believe this we have affects for those that are local and close to us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we don't and our affect for people that are far away is one of hate it's the opposite it's like hatred or whatever right and right right and i think fear freud, of the other that's fear of the other right right and i think freud I just don't think he thinks that. I think he thinks, you know, we enjoy and desire the other. Like that's Mm -hmm. the, it seems like that's the basic psychoanalytic idea. And if you don't, I mean, I don't know. And I don't, again, I can't square that with, with Oedipus complex. Well, is it maybe that the, I mean, would, I guess, would maybe how you would start to do it is that, um, that what you, you, you desire, you desire the other in someone you actually know well. So like that, that would be um, the, maybe that's another way of saying like the, in you more than you, right? Like uh, the, you, what your desire, that which sort of like escapes the kind of conscious. Yeah, I see what you're saying. C- keep control. going with that. Yeah. Keep okay. going with that. Cause I think that's, I think that's the answer. Yeah. And so in that, so if you, if you play that out then um, and you have the, you have the prohibition, so then, like, there's something that you dis- you, you have the incest prohibition. So then, the way that the Oedipus complex works, um, 
with consider consistent with the idea of desiring that which is extimate rather than that which is intimate or proximate. Okay. The way that it works is that you construe it so that in the person that you desire, that they're what escapes them reflects back on your mother or your father or, or something proximate, you, you know, and, and it's yeah. not, it, I think, I think that would be that I maybe, maybe that's how it's squared. What do you, what do you think of that? What's yeah, I think that's really point? good. I thought you were going to take it even further. And like, I was imagining what Rick Boothby would say. He would say, oh, okay. <laughs> he, he wouldn't he say, no, Todd, you're just wrong because the, the, the mother, like what's essential about the mother is not proximate at all to you as a mm. child, it's absent. So, so it's mm. actually the, with the mother or whatever, whoever the care or the father, whatever the main caregiver is, that mm-hmm. you have this first experience of a fundamental absence. And mm. that's the source of your Oedipal desire, that you're caught mm. up in this dialectic with that initial other that is because the other, there's this das ding in mm. the other, right? That's, 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 not only obscure to you, but that's obscure to them. And so there is a massive encounter with the other and with absence just mm. when you have the person right there. So I think, I don't know what I would, that seems like it's a harder objection to respond to. <laughs> you know, that seems well, pretty was, good. I think that you would have to move, I think the territory you have to move to is that if you accept that, is that Oedipus doesn't evince that, nor does Hamlet. It's, it's maybe it's 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 like that there's a structure that there's maybe a structure of desire that's at work but like Oedipus doesn't name it is that, I don't know what do you what do you think yeah 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 I think that's good that it's that that to to say Oedipus is to speak it wrongly and even mm-hmm. even Hamlet I mean Hamlet's an interesting case right because you would say that like we just said earlier that that Oedipus doesn't suffer from the Oedipus complex, right? But right. but if anyone in the history of the world, I know he's not an exact actual person, <laughs> but if anyone right. did, it's Hamlet, right? Like his yeah. like his father's like, look, don't pay attention to your mother. Just <laughs> yeah. kill this guy. Kill Hamlet, this guy. <laughs> what does Hamlet do? He cannot stop thinking about his mother. And he's like, did you sleep with him? Are you still sleeping with him? Yeah. Whatever you yeah. do, don't sleep with him anymore. Um, you know, so I think... Like he really clearly is hung up on his mother, right? And and her sexual activity is a real problem for him. So mm-hmm. I do think that if, if but there's... But isn't it so funny because it's such a problem for him that he can't kill his father. He his, can't well, kill his not, father, right, yeah, right. Yeah. No, that's an interesting thing. Like Freud has to try to explain his... I mean, the delaying is a real problem for Freud too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and he, mm-hmm. like, uh, he thinks that that's the great problem. I think most people think this, so that's the great problem of the play. Mm-hmm. Uh my idea, you know, my have I told you this idea? I don't know. So my idea is that the delay is the action. That, that ah, okay. Because you know, in, so Titus Andronicus's play about ten, eight years earlier, it's mm-hmm. a standard revenge tragedy. So Shakespeare has is he he's tip, he knows how to write just a regular revenge tragedy where there's you know somebody says, look, this is what you need to do, mm-hmm. and the the son or daughter goes and and exacts revenge, right? So. And, and it, it's a good play. It's fine. So he knows how to do it. So it's interesting that in Hamlet, he does this, this long delay. And, and I, my argument would be that this is, this is the beginning of modernity because right, it's right, the right. first time someone gets an order from the symbolic father. And, it's a, and he's really symbolic father. He's dead. It's mm-hmm. the perfect yeah. position. And who, who, who calls it into question? And his act is continually calling it into question. 
and saying like, is should I, is this order right? Is this coming from the, uh, the, is it coming from a, a evil force or a benevolent one? You know, like there are all these questions yeah. that Hamlet asks. So I, so I feel like that's the main part of the delay, but for Shakespeare, the delay is precisely because he thinks you can only explain the, did I say for Shakespeare? I meant for Freud. For Freud. Uh, for That's Freud. <laughs> okay. Uh, I do kind of equate them, I think. You know, Harold Bloom's argument is that Shakespeare thought everything that Freud did before Freud did. That makes sense. Well, right. I mean, that, doesn't he, like, the invention of the human? Like, he goes yeah, further. Yeah. You, you said the birth of modernity, and I think Bloom says it's the birth of the, the human subject. Is uh, is Hamlet? I think right. And, oh, that's and, pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. It's even yeah. bigger. I mean, there's even a lot. Bigger. Whatever. We don't have to anyway, talk about. Yeah, we don't talk about. We don't about have that, to talk about what what I say about what I think about Chaucer. But we, anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I feel like that's you know that that um, you know for when you read Freud's explanation is really short, but Ernest Jones has a nice book. It's called Hamlet and Oedipus, and it's have you mm-hmm. read it? No, I haven't. It's a really good, it's like 120 pages or something, and it's a really good reading of Hamlet. And he he systematically destroys any possible refutation of Freud's theory in advancing huh. Freud's theory. So it's pretty it's pretty good. And you you read that, you're like, wow, that has to be right, because all these other explanations for the delay, they just they fall apart, you know, and then mm-hmm. it's the the Freud's explanation then is the one that carries the day. And, it, and the explanation is that, of course, that Claudius has done what he wanted to do. Right. And, yeah. and and so he can't so unconsciously he's unable to accede to that position because he it it's it, well, I don't know though. Isn't that again hmm. part of the problem? Right? I love this. You've gotten you've 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 gone all you've gone so far in the direction of uh, of Freud that you've spotted the problem again. How do you how do you mean? Well, isn't it the problem <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, um, it's okay. <laughs> isn't it the problem that that if he really was like the like, why can't he fulfill his unconscious desire? Unless the whole point of our unconscious desire is for it to remain unfulfilled. Unconscious. Well, yeah. unconscious, yes, for sure, but also unfulfilled. Like, mm-hmm. th- does Freud have a theory that says our un- because a desire is unconscious, it prevents us from acting? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think like, that's his theory, is it? No, or, I, or the or that if we like in the case of Hamlet, like to kill. Um, to kill Claudius is to also like admit that he can't fulfill that desire as well. Like, like he, like, so it, it's, so it's two things that like, he can't kill someone who's, he can't kill someone who's guilty of what he, he wants desires. To right. Right. But also, um, does that, I, I, I don't know that, that doesn't, that actually doesn't prevent him. It, actually him being alive prevents him if that is what he desires from from doing it you know right like from having right. sex with his mother so right. you i don't know like the, i think you can make the argument that that should make it easier for him easier. like certainly certainly it's the confrontation of it like the awareness of it the anagnoresis if you like uh of it that that makes it um <laughs> unpalatable to hamlet um but I, yeah i i don't know like like that to kill, it's like um, I, I don't know, is it like Lady in Shanghai? You know, killing you is really killing myself. Killing myself, right? But I'm getting right. sick of both of us, both right? Of us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is that so? 
so anyway, tease out sort of the, 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 the problem with considering that. Like, because I, I think you were like halfway to saying, well, we should rename it the Hamlet Complex. And yeah, then, but now I almost don't think so because I okay. feel like, well, I, I mean, I, I do think that he's a better instance of it than, mm-hmm. than Oedipus for sure. For mm-hmm. sure. But I do think, like, I don't think it, I think it would have to explain Hamlet acting. You know, he yeah. he should be, like, I don't think that the Oedipus complex does enough. You said to, acting is him, his inaction, though. So Well, that's for me, but I don't think that's yeah. Freud's theory. Okay, I don't right. think that's Freud's theory at all. Like, I think Freud believes he's not able to act mm-hmm. because of his repressed desire for his okay. mother and this repressed desire to kill his father. And I think that if you think the, I guess the repressed desire mean, I guess that it inhibits you from acting. I guess that's right. I mean, I Mm -hmm. guess that's, that would be, I think that's Freud's reading of the play, right? Mm -hmm. That, that Mm -hmm. it's the, that's repressed desire that makes you unable to act. But I think elsewhere he says repressed desire actually allows you to act. So it's really, mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe that's wrong. Maybe, maybe it's always true that repressed desire is a barrier to action. Mm-hmm. So he has to come up with another, well, I mean, I think that it's, it's arguable that, I mean, in the play, that he does have to come up with another reason, right? Like, doesn't he have to have, I, I don't know, that maybe that, that's kind of like my reading of everything he does afterwards is coming up with another reason to kill Claudius, not just because his dad told him to. Right. Like the, right. the ghost of his father. Like he has to like, nope, can't do that. Claudius guilty of the thing I wanted to do. Uh, you know, my desire, I have to, we got to do something else. And so then that's uh, maybe that underwrites the rest of what, what Hamlet does. So it is maybe, or how about this, Todd? Maybe it's a bit of an onstos. Maybe it's a, an obstacle. It's also an in, uh, impetus. What do you think about that? That's pretty good. Can you flush that out a little bit? So okay. What? So maybe, um, let's just go ahead with saying Hamlet complex. Cause I think I, I cause I, I think it's pretty, um, I, I just, I like the line Oedipus doesn't suffer from Oedipus complex. I also like, I think we went through like, you know, the, the he doesn't know his, he does, he kills a stranger and he marries a stranger. <laughs> and I right. think that it's, right. it, it doesn't, it doesn't do a good job of even naming what Freud's trying to say. Hamlet right. does a much better job. So let's go ahead with, with, with the Hamlet complex. Okay. okay? So the, with the Hamlet complex, what you see is that um, you being confronted by a um, an unconscious desire to uh, kill your your father and to have sex with your mother is an obstacle. It is an impediment to action because of incest taboo that comes in from social that just seems like. You sh- you shouldn't do it. You should not be able to, to do it. And and like my God, like what a horrible thing! I I have I have to do something else. But it is that exact same thing that inspires or serves as the impetus to doing something else. So um, maybe then we start to get toward uh, sublimation. Right. So I maybe, think that's maybe, right. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think okay. you're right. That so, that yeah. God. No, no, I was just going to say, so like, and just to say Oedipal because it makes sense. So like the, the, the Oedipal obstacle leads to like sublimation in the way that we were talking about, I think in the last episode with, um, with Lacan and, and that, that's maybe that's the, the, the way that it, that it functions because it can't, and that's, I mean, the pro, maybe the problem with, oh, anyway. So what do you think about that? I think that's a good defense of it. I think that's, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me that, that the way, 
you know, he goes on because Hamlet's clearly able to act in all these other ways, right? Like right. he he's able to kill Polonius without a second, mm-hmm. like he stabs him through a curtain without even thinking about it. So yeah, he's able yeah. to, I think you're right that it is at once this prevention and this impetus to other kinds of actions. That's I think that's a really nice way to think about how Oedipus complex functions, at least in the, in, in, in the play Hamlet. And I think to the mm-hmm. extent that it functions in general, I think that's probably the best way to think about it. That it's not just, I think that most people think of it as just this repressive uh, obstacle, right? Like this thing mm-hmm. that this is a, and so you've used the word from, from Johann Gottlieb Fichte, Anstos, right. like it's a, both an obstacle and an impetus at the same time. The only time. podcast that's read Fitka, that, that's, <laughs> that's going to be our branding. Uh, okay, yes. Well, everybody <laughs> should read Fichte because this yeah. is an, it's an amazing concept of the Anstos. But um, because it's really, he's, he's, he's basically invented Lacan's objet a before, you know, like 100 years before the fact, 150 mm-hmm. years. Um, so anyway, so, but I think that, that, that's, that has to be right. That that's the one way to justify the complex, because otherwise you couldn't explain why Hamlet's able to do all these other things. That it's not just repression; mm-hmm. it's also an enabling repression. It's an is a it's a kind of repression that also allows for action, not just preventing it. Well, I mean, and it also, I, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, I think that. Um, I don't know. In some ways, maybe now we're maybe now we're doing a disservice to your objection, but but I just want to underline something: is that like part of part of I think for you what the issue is with the Oedipus complex, the way that Freud, even the way that Freud talks about it, is that it doesn't square with the later development of the drive and how he understands like the, his mature understanding of repression, if you like, which is that before death drive, before nineteen twenty, repression is tied to to the object. Right. And then what happens with death, death drive is that, and, and this is your line, so I don't want to take it from you. Repression is tied to what? Well, you can say it. No, I'll say it. Process. So it's tied to the process, <laughs> right? You just said it. Um, it's tied to the process, right? So it's yeah. tied. So I think this, I, I think this is right, that, that prior to 1920, it's the fact that we desire the mother or the, mm-hmm. we, or the father, the Oedipal, the Oedipal other, that's mm. repressed. So even in even in say my ordinary relationship with a spouse with Hillary with a spouse, mm. right? Like there's mm. so if I went to psychoanalysis, which I did, um, they would discover within that desire this mm. hidden repressed Oedipal desire. So that mm-hmm. Hillary's standing in. We always joke that she's kind of standing in for the good version of my mother. <laughs> like she's, <laughs> she's like like the bad part got kind of left out, but. Um, well, the bad part you wanted to murder at the beginning of this podcast. That's so correct. So she's <laughs> out of the picture. <laughs> she's out of the picture. <laughs> uh, good. So, so I think. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry, just threw, I just, I just threw totally me off. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. So, so the idea would be that what's repressed is that unconscious object within mm-hmm. the framework of desire, but my claim would be after 1920, what has to be repressed is the object becomes indifferent when you think about the drive. The whole point is the mm-hmm. drive doesn't care about the object. The drive just cares about satisfying itself. And how does it satisfy itself? Through the destruction of the subject. So mm-hmm. that's what has to be repressed. You have to repress your own self-destructiveness after 1920. And that's why I think it's really hard to 
cling to a notion of Oedipus complex as the key to psychoanalysis, which Freud does in way late in 1939, uh, after 1920, when you've discovered the death drive, because the death, the whole point of the death drive is that what's crucial to the subject is not Mm -hmm. whatever object it's interacting with. Instead, Mm -hmm. it's the way that it satisfies itself through its own self-destruction. And then this is why, you know, the the Fort Da game is so important that it's not Mm -hmm. about, and Freud should have even saw that the Fort Da game is a rejection of his own theory of the Oedipus complex, isn't it? Because of its um, play with presence and absence. Exactly. Like, and then the whole point, remember he has this great line where he says that the, the, the child gets more pleasure from getting the object, mm-hmm. but then, but it repeats the game much more often just as throwing the, just, just through throwing the object away. So, yeah. so even though there's more pleasure to the one act, mm-hmm. often the child will just repeat the throwing away, which is less pleasurable because it's more satisfying. So yeah. translating that back into Oedipus, you wouldn't you say it's actually the satisfaction within the parental child relationship is pushing the parent away, not, mm-hmm. not getting the, so Bring it's like closer. at the moment when you push the bottle or the breast away mm-hmm. that you, that you find satisfaction, not when you have it jammed in your mouth. That's interesting. Would you say, I wonder about this if let's just, cause I'm, I'm going, I'm going hog wild with this. Okay. That this good, pod, th- good. That this podcast is, um, grounding the Hamlet complex okay. that does the delay, does that function as splitting Freud's two different notions of repression that up until the point where he's about to kill Claudius, we're talking about repression tied to the object. We are talking about Oedipus complex, but okay. where Hamlet complex emerges is in that delay and not doing it. And then what rep- we, he represses what ends up happening for the rest of the play is process is death drive and he is repressing his own uh like th- his own self-destruction uh, what you and what you just said would you is i like that idea know. a lot yeah, yeah i like it a lot because what enables him finally to act right isn't it the when he's when he's in the in a field he jumps into Ophelia's grave right it's like this right. encounter right. Well, with like, his well, own well, because Laertes like declares his love, and so then Hamlet declares his love, right? Like it's only, you know, like it's does only- he say seven thousand brothers couldn't love her as much as yeah. I, or something like that? Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. So, and and then of course it's not. Well, you know, I mean, if we continued, obviously, with the if we continued with the um, with the edible reading, that that, that of course that um, it's this this outspoken. Um, desire for Ophelia is just taking the place. It's just sublimating the the desire for the mother. But like, it's all like, so you could say that, but I think it's also now um, the, he's repressed, he's repressed the entire point of him in the the play. Well, I think he's he's repressed the entire process. Yeah. Right. I mean, hasn't he also come into, like, isn't it, doesn't he, at that moment when he jumps into the grave, like he grasps the reality of death, I think for him. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like that's, and that, and, and somehow that triggers him. It makes him able to act. The other key event, isn't it while he's gone, when he sees Fortinbras army and he's, he's so impressed by this idea that Fortinbras would go to fight over a piece of land that has no worth at all. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not even farmable. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and, and he's, he loves that idea that you could make this little thing that has no value at all worth an infinite, all these people yeah. would go die. So 
what he's what he's what he's under, what he's in love with is the idea of sublimation, right? Like yeah. that's he basically learns from Fortinbras the power of sublimation, and then he, I mean, that makes him. I think that's part of this transformation that he undergoes. But I think you're you're right that there's some kind of way in which the the main focus of the play undergoes a shift at the end toward away from object and toward drive because his mother kind of also drops out toward the end, right? Like, yeah, I think that's, that's interesting that it's Ophelia yeah, who's the funny. focus and not Gertrude. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's really great. Um, yeah, and I, and it, yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. And because, it, again, just to, like, restate, like, what's at work with sublimation understood by Lacan is that it, it is the exact same satisfaction as doing something else through, through something else. Right. Like, right. Right. You know, like I'm talking right for right now. I'm talking. I'm, I'm not, I'm not fucking, but I can have the exact same satisfaction as if, you know, as if it was. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, And and his point isn't his point that, that even to have sex, you have to, the object has to undergo sublimation. Like there's no, just, there's no just immediate. Again, I think the critique of immediacy is there in the concept (laughs) of sublimation. Like there's no just immediate desire for something that thing that you desire has to have undergone sublimation or else you can't start to desire it. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's very important. I, th- I think that's interesting. That's like kind of what, what's come out of the, of, in our conversation for like what, what, and, and I think this is the important thing is like, what is it that, that, that we are objecting to in, in the Oedipus complex as like canonically understood. And that is like, I think this, the way that it um, over privileges like the, like immediate, Immediacy, uh, and, and the, right? Yeah, is, right. Is, is the is the big, big, big point because it doesn't. It's just not consonant with. It's one of those right. It's just not consonant with what like the ninety percent of the, like the rest of of uh, of Freud, right? Yeah, like, isn't yeah. isn't psychoanalysis? I think we all think that it's a it's a it's a discipline of mediation, right? It's all mm-hmm. about the way. I mean, every bit as much as Hegel, I think that that we desire through mediation that that there's a symbolic order mediating everything, right? So I think, right. I think you know, there's not first this object. Instead, mm-hmm. there's first mediation that, and it's through mediation that we relate to the object. And I think yeah. that's what I think when Freud discovers or invents, I should say, because I don't think it's there to be discovered. Um, mm-hmm. When he invents Oedipus complex, he he is inventing. Pure immediate relation that I don't yeah. think can exist. It's interesting too, like because and, and another way in which that conflicts with with psychoanalysis is the the whole the, the clinical situation is not one of immediacy. Right. Certainly, it, it, right. It just, it, right. The 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 analyst like um, well, I mean, how would how would you say it? Is it the the the, the analyst that's mediating? Is, is it the analyst that's mediating the the analyzant, or 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 would it or is it the um or is it the 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 speech like the i don't know like we're we're either either way they're like well i think isn't it important that they don't look at each other right like yeah isn't that isn't that like like remember when whenever you talk to someone you're supposed to look them in the eye right like you're supposed to (laughs) really you know make sure that they that's what your dad taught you but i think You know, my dad did, but, but, uh, but the whole psychoanalysis, you don't because you, it's the, it, it focuses on the mediation of language, right? Like that, yeah. and the, even the fundamental rule of free association is all about the way in which that mediating principle will guide us through yeah. to the answer of, of finding what your desire is. And I think mm-hmm. 
it's never, and I think you're absolutely right to say that the analytic session is itself a real critique of that investment in immediacy that Freud has when he conceives of Oedipus complex. Yeah, that, I think that that's that's what that's exactly what I was looking for because it's not the analyst is not the analyst as object does not mediate. That would be no. another, that would be I mean that would just be a more complicated way of saying immediacy. It's the like it's it's through yeah it is through language. It's and through it what is, they yeah. say, yeah. and it's the yeah. fact that and, and the fact that they can't that the 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 patient can't look at the analyst mm-hmm. forces language to come to the foreground, right? Like right. you can't focus on oh. Am I making this person happy by what I'm right, saying? Right, right, yeah, yeah. What what am I getting from their face? You know, like right. uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah, you're in because you're not you. I mean, this is where, I mean, this when you are trying to um, convince someone of something, it, it is is not. That's not the point. The, the point of, 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 of the clinic is not to put two people in a room and have one person convince the other person of something, you know, like, like, like face to face. It is like, it is about, it's about mediation and confrontation. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's mediation with, allows you to encounter what's not there because yeah. your desire is always focused on what's not there. And I think that's, I feel like that's missing, ironically, in the Oedipus complex. Right? Yeah, like no, that's, no, that's yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's yeah, that's funny. Um, because I mean, and that's the whole thing is that like, like Oedipus again. Just to go back to the text, Oedipus literally. I mean, he. You can only retroactively say that he desired what 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 wasn't there. Like he had this absent mother and this absent father, and he had a collision with both. Well, but okay. There, that's but, an, but there was, but there's yeah. no, but there's no unconscious desire there. Like it, we still come back to that problematic, I think. That's true. Although I was just thinking that you could make it that Oedipus, because of his unusual situation, is the only one that could possibly have suffered from the Oedipus complex <laughs> because his mother and father were actually absent. Right, like, yeah, yeah. like he's only finally able to see. I, I guess my question is, when when students say to you, "Oh my God," like, of course I don't desire my mother, like, mm-hmm. and as if that's a disproving of psychoanalysis. Sure, and, you know, and obviously, like, you you're not you, you're no one is just in touch with their unconscious. So you could so that's I feel like that's a it's a ridiculous statement. But on the other hand, I wonder if like it is true that you can't. Like if you can never say something's just wrong, then that's mm-hmm. a you know I I don't know I mean I think I feel like this is an area where it's a kind of a gray area with psychoanalysis because I think part of the idea of psychoanalysis is that if if people are denying it vehemently, mm-hmm. that testifies to its truth, right? That's the basic idea of the unconscious. Sure, but is that what's happening with? The idea of let's just take, take the incestuous desire for the mother. Is that what is that what's happening? Is it that people are vehemently denying it because it's so unconsciously true, or is it just because it's maybe wrong? Like I think, I don't know. I feel like I don't know how you tell the difference between those two things unless you analyze people. Yeah, I mean, so is the, okay. So a couple things with this is that okay. um, I, I think. On the on the one hand, what people are certainly responding to is the um, injunction of the taboo, right? right is that like right, the, the, right, that, right, that's right. that's I mean I think that's really what they're now. Like, I believe in that, Ryan. I believe that because of that taboo, that unconscious desire can emerge. 
but it's because but it's um it's not a it's not a post hoc ergo propter hoc, right? No, like no. It, it, yeah. So like it's the 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 social injunction happened first, and that was the precondition for that's my feeling. Uh, yeah, for Oedipus yeah. complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. I find that. I I I find that a. I find that more convincing. Have you ever had and an think, Oedipal dream? I mean, not that I can remember, which means, uh, good. of course. So, which, yeah, so, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I, I remember one. I've had only one that I remember, and it was just, it was one of the most traumatic moments of my entire life. Like, I oh woke up, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so horrible. It's horrible. Um, and thank God my mother does not listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, the hits keep coming. But I know, I know, the, I know. But the, the dream was so, I'll, I'll tell it, even though I shouldn't. Go ahead, it, yes. It was so terrible. So I was like, a, I was a spy on a secret mission and in order to communicate this this top secret information i had yes. to have sex with my mother and communicate yeah, it through by through the semen so yes it was it was it was like the worst possible and then it made me it made it very hard to like james bond after that because um, <laughs> i was i had a, it was part of a bond scenario so um, oh my God. That it was terrible. So I like, I, I, I'm not, re- I, so I mean, which is great because I've just given great fodder for anyone who wants to say, well, it's clear why he's rejected this idea yeah, 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 yeah. because of yeah. blah, blah, blah. So, uh, I don't know. So I do feel like it, that I'm not saying that that desire doesn't emerge. I'm just saying yeah. it's not, there's no primacy to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the, the idea of like responding to the injunction is another uh, point in the favor of the Hamlet complex, because that's like, like you, you could easily make the argument. We don't know anything at all about Hamlet before. Uh, I mean, certainly before the play starts, but like, which is a stupid thing to say, but, but it's not as though the play begins um, as some Shakespeare plays do where like the, the central like problem or issue like emerges somewhere in act one. Like it's, it's, it's prior to it. You know, and then like like the first thing that we know about Hamlet is his father's ghost showing up to him to tell him to to kill Claudius, and so it's almost like the the taboo comes to him, you know, and he has to respond to it in the yeah. same way that in the same way of those examples of like you know people saying like oh of course I don't desire my mother I don't desire my father I don't you know whatever I don't desire my you know and like you know siblings whatever cousin like what like however you want to like, well that's an interesting way to think of it so. So if it wasn't if if we didn't have this prior event in Hamlet, mm-hmm. then this whole way of relating to his mother and 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 relating to the father substitute mm-hmm. Claudius would never have happened, right? Yeah. Like that's what you're saying, right? That that even yeah, in yeah. Hamlet, which seems to be the best example of the Oedipus complex, that mm-hmm. it's actually premised on this event that we don't see, which is the murder of the the murder of the father and the marrying of the mother. And if that didn't happen, that instigate that, that created the prohibition for him, yep. which then yes. itself was generative of the desire. Right. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. So there is, ah, there's like always, that. yeah, yeah. So the point, the point is that in, even in Hamlet, like it's the, like the social comes first. It's yeah. not the, so okay. the, it's the, it, it's the, the extimate demand, uh, arriving, right? Like it's, um, rather than one that is, uh, proximate or intimate. So I think, so that was, so that was one thing, um, that I had with your, with your example. And then the other one, I totally forgot. So, okay. <laughs> uh, so I don't remember that because we were just talking about that. Um, yeah, I'll listen to this back and be like, Oh, I remember now, but you don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think, um, don't you think yeah. that, that, that 
like with this, like that psychoanalysis would make itself more uh, favorable to the world if it did say like, look, this, we kind of missed on this. Like that, that, that's not a crucial thing. It was just, it was, Freud, it was an error by Freud even. Like, mm. like what about that? Like, don't you think that that, or is it, do you think it's impossible for a, um, for a doctrine to admit such a huge thing was just an error? Yeah, I think it's a lot, I think it's easier to like amend slightly than it is to, yeah, yeah, than it would be to say like, you just got to check that out completely. Like, like Um, what, like for Marxism, what if you said the surplus value, you know what? It just, it doesn't work. Like, I think most people would say that Marxism stands or falls with surplus value, right? Yeah. I think so. I mean, I think that though, I don't know, like, well, I don't, I don't want to start talking about that, but I, I, I think that, um, that I, well, specifically this, this current like COVID-19 situation, I think is like maybe the, I mean, it's, it's, it's giving a, a pretty good, like uh, popularly, uh, I, I mean to say like, I've seen a lot of people saying like, this is like, this is proof of, of surplus value. Like I see this on, on Reddit and on Twitter and stuff like that. Okay. So, I think so, that, so, so yeah, so that, so whatever, that, that's but, been, yeah, yeah. but my only point is that that like, that that seems like a crucial thing. But so, so our friend Fabio Vicky is writing a, 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 a book that, that is keeping within the strain of Marxism, but rejecting mm-hmm. the notion of the labor theory of value altogether. Okay. So, so that's a, so it's, I guess I'm suggesting sort of something yeah, sure. like that for psychoanalysis, okay, that, okay, that you can it. still, that you can reject what seems like a fundamental plank and mm-hmm. still, and I, I guess what I would say is people have already de facto been doing this. Like the because very they fact, just don't mention it. they just don't mention it. Like yeah, when, yeah. when has, when I, you, I'll say, I'll ask you a question. You can't answer it because there is no time. <laughs> like when has Zizek talked about the Oedipus complex? Just, yeah, he yeah. hasn't. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. when has Joan Kopchak talked about that? She just hasn't, right? So, so I will even give you an example. This is really really funny. Um, uh, in class, someone asked someone who was had was like not. I don't want to say like they weren't just like struggling with the class. They were like in some ways like at, outright like hostile to it to yeah. the point where like it didn't really make sense other than like a perverse reason why they were taking the class at all. Um, but she had to say like, look, Oedipus complex. She said, she said psychoanalysis doesn't mean like Oedipus complex was implicit when she was saying, but she said psychoanalysis doesn't mean that because your mother had black hair, you want to marry someone with black hair. And this, and this guy goes, Oh really? And she, man, like the, the, the look that she gave that person, it was just so, it was so great. It was like, it, uh, it could have sunk a thousand ships. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah it, uh, but anyway, but yes. So that's the so she's careful around that, and and like and and certainly, and her what her point was, and that that this like, and this person was like really fighting against, um, is that it is like, it is something. Her point was that it is something that is attached to like to the mother that is not is certainly not literal. And that becomes something that one desires out in the world. And, and that like the, the, our, like the, the idea that it has any, um, identifiable, identifiable, like 
connection to the mother is remains like obscure to us. And that like obscurity is like the precondition for desiring it at all. Like right. that, I think right. that, that was, right. that was right. sort right. of her, her right. point there. Yeah. Right. I mean, she's really talking, she's really saying like what we talked about would be Rick's objection to what I was saying. Right. Yeah. That exactly. there is this, this obscure part of the other Mm-hmm. that is in them more than them, that they don't know themselves, that that's what's generative of desire. Right, right. right. I mean, I, that's, I can, it just comes back to the same thing. Like that's, it's, it's not, so I would say this, like, I, like, I don't know what Fabio is writing in that book, but, uh, but it would seem to me that his approach would be to be more Marxist than Marx. Is that fair? Or I think he, that's fair. And I, I guess that would be what I would say the basis of this critique that I'm saying right yeah. now is that I think it's yeah. really being true to the Freudian project and pointing out a point at which Freud himself wasn't true to it. Yeah. Yeah. And the re, and the consequences of it, uh, which are like, I think with this are much more evident than it would be for, for Marx. Like you have to, I think we'd have to, I think you have to explain what the consequences of the labor theory of value are like, but like the consequences of like the um, Oedipus complex being the center of psychoanalysis, I think are pretty, pretty evident. evident. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, what's interesting so Fabio's idea, maybe we should mm-hmm. talk about this later, but on a separate yeah. episode, but, but his idea is that the, that, that Marx's whole investment in the proletariat as the revolution, mm-hmm. as the site of revolution is mm-hmm. a, is mis, as a mistake generated by the labor theory of value. So he's like, the reason why the proletariat has never ever been revolutionary is because labor itself is a presupposition posited by capitalism. So it's a, it's a, it's a, Mm. that's just a little taste of it's a fast, it'll be a fascinating book that I I think it'll be really good. And he's actually an article of it, a little, a little pricey of it is going to come out in that LA uh, review philosophy review of books. What's it called? Philosophical salon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which by the way, I think my essay that's that was on the whatever has come out in that too. So that's right, on the, the on the coronavirus and Agamben and everything. Yeah. Uh anyway, so so I think in about a couple of weeks his his essay will be out on that. So you can get a little taste of it. Well, his book I I can't remember if I ever mentioned this on another podcast, but uh on Zizek's dialectics was it's like one of the best books I've ever read, like of theory. And it was a huge, huge deal for me. What when I read it. Um, I think that's well. a, I agree. I think that's yeah, a great book. Yeah. And I think I always tell him it's a shame that he titled it what he did because it makes no. it seem like it's a secondary work on Slavoj and it's really just its own work on psychoanalytic Hegelian theory, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, okay, so that's a, a, um, a tangent, like a little, a, little, a little tangent. But I think, um, I think that hopefully, you know, we've been c- uh, convincing to the, to the listener about like what the um, sort of like what the problems within psychoanalysis, like the, the logic of psychoanalysis and the practice of it as well, like what, how Oedipus complex represents a, an imprecision, an imprecision really. Like it's certainly, it's certainly provocative. And I think it, it definitely, it may be, maybe the biggest problem is the most obvious one, which we've, which we haven't uh, said, which is that like, um, psychoanalysis is not, and I think that this is like a kind of the version of psychoanalysis that gets rejected by like, I don't know, someone like a Rita Felsky and like a, a in, in, in like this idea of like post critique, which is that like, Oh, it's, it's just trying to find the like underneath of something. And it's like the, the most like objectionable like version. Of right. It, right. You know? Right. And, and that's, I think Oedipus complex in the way popularly understood gives, um, 
maybe it, 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 it gives this idea that that's like sort of what psychoanalysis is that like, like, Oh, this is the kind of the answer to everything. This is the answer to like, to every, every desire is it comes back to the mommy, daddy, me. Right. Right. Like, right. To, Mom, but which is what, which is interesting. Cause that's what Deleuze and Guattari really object to in anti-Oedipus. Right. Like that's the, yeah. Like you, so it almost wonder if Freud didn't have the Oedipus complex, would Deleuze and Guattari have written anti-Oedipus? I mean, they wouldn't have called it that. Obviously, well, they wouldn't have called it that. They certainly <laughs> yeah. wouldn't. Have. Yeah, but, I mean, but well, maybe they, they would certainly have... wouldn't have. I guess I would put it this way: it certainly wouldn't have been called anti-Hamlet. You know, right? I, I right. think for like as we've sort of laid out. So, right. Yeah. So like they're. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe um, it's it's. I think you can. I, I don't think that you can outright reject it. I think that you have to take the pieces to make it more consistent. And I think that, and maybe part of the reason that Freud doubles down is like this thing they said at the beginning, which is that like, maybe people started talking about it yeah. and then he yeah. started calling it Oedipus complex, you know? And, and then, and maybe that is behind the thing that he said in 1939, which is that like, that was such a big idea, you know, that like, that people really like clung to. And I'm sure that it, you know, he, I'm sure that he saw people in his practice and I'm sure that other people saw people in their practice. And I'm sure that like the, the, like you're also talking about, you know, in 39, he's talking about a world situation, a rise of fascism. Like we talked about like in a previous podcast, which is like, you know, identified, uh, very closely with the, like the, the role of the, of, of the father, the father for sure. Right. For sure. Right. Yeah. So like, um, but not trying to kill him. Not, not trying, trying to kill to him. Kill him. No, I mean, I would just point point that out to Freud. They're not yeah. trying to kill Hitler. They're not trying to kill Mussolini. Uh, <laughs> no, it's no. true. It's true. That's pretty good. So I don't know. Maybe I, I just wonder if there were, um, yeah, if it, if it, like, if it got bigger, I don't know. I wonder if it got bigger than, 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 than he, he, he kind of got out of his hands maybe. Yeah. And yeah. So also, yeah, I wonder, what, yeah. I wonder if you think, I almost wonder if it's kind of like with Slavoj, sometimes he'll double down on something just because it's, controversial and bothers people uh, you know like yeah, i wonder yeah. i wonder if freud i mean i know freud liked to to rankle people and so i wonder if you know what how better to rankle people than to tell them they want to sleep with their mother and kill their father right like that's, yeah yeah so i i and feel like i don't yeah. yeah i don't know oh no i was gonna say i'm sure he would have been more he's on more firm footing with that than like doubling down on infantile sexuality which also rankles people also rankles people right right yeah, which yeah. now it's interesting now that's i think it's universally accepted I think so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's funny. Yeah, yeah. The, like uh, it's not even controversial. I mean, I guess there are certain people that would bother, but most people would say, oh, "Of course, blah blah." You know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I guess the lesson has to be read Hamlet because <laughs> the solution to the world yeah. is always in Hamlet. I think. No, there is pretty nice. That's pretty yeah. nice. Uh, uh, thank you okay. so much, Todd. Okay, over and out, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, over and out. <laughs>